You're listening to Quick Five with the Morgan Hill Chamber of Commerce. This episode of Quick Five was recorded in an open classroom on site at Mount Madonna School with a windy, rainy storm happening right outside the window. This is just to warn you that there will be some ambient noise in the background, but without further ado, let's get to the episode. Welcome to this edition of the Morgan Hill Chamber of Commerce's Quick Five Podcast, Five Questions with the Morgan Hill Chamber of Commerce. My name is Nick Gage, and I'm CEO and President, along with Kylie McLaughlin, our Director of Social Media and Digital Advertising, podcast producer and co-host. We hope today's conversation is both informative and relevant to our community. Now, with us this afternoon, the spotlight of this podcast is the second in our series, interviewing the Mount Madonna Student Learning Journey Program with teacher Shannon Kelly and student Sandy Asso as we were recording at Mount Madonna School in front of the rest of the senior class who embarked on the trip. Maybe you'll get to hear from a few of them later. But for now, Shannon and Sandy and the whole student body, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You know, for our listeners and, and that may not have listened to our first Learning Journey episode, the Sanban Project is a project by seniors from Mount Madonna School. It's a part of the Values and World Thought Program where the 2023 student cohort experienced a real-life immersion learning journey traveling to India. The trip spans 16 days immersed in the beauty, the culture, and the daily life experience of their newfound friends and colleagues. Our first episode was recorded before they embarked on this journey and covers all of the prep and excitement. It's available on all streaming platforms, so if you haven't heard it yet, pause this, and go listen to part one, and then come back. You know, this afternoon, we're going to explore lessons learned, lessons shared, and most importantly, the key memories that these students will take with them on their own life journeys for years to come. You know, uh, we, we have a lot to unpack here and very little time. So let's begin by giving our listeners a starting point. So Kylie and I were just eagerly following your student blog on your website, and it was quite clear from the very first post that this trip was resonating at a very, very deep level. You know, we learned that in part one of our interview with you that the senior class had named your trip Samban, which translates to connection. So let me ask the students here, can you share with our listeners how the essence of its meaning was embodied through your trip? Sandy, why don't you go ahead and start off? All right, so throughout the whole trip, we felt connection in a couple different ways. Definitely at the Sri Ramashram, we felt it a lot. With all the kids there and getting to meet and know them, and we learned a lot about the universal language of games and having fun how we were able to start interacting and within minutes have a little friendship with someone that you'd never known. There are different languages, different cultures, different behaviors, but there was a connecting point, right, almost from day one. I think every, every trip we go on, part of what I enjoy witnessing is um, how sometimes when we're put completely outside of our comfort zone, we're forced to interact in a different way there's many people in this group, myself included, that consider ourselves introverts. And so we did a lot of talking before the trip of, of when you are in a new space, um, how you turn outward, right? How you don't just only focus on the people you're comfortable with. And I was really proud of this group for doing that. I mean, every time, every situation, um, they showed up and they just put themselves out there. They were vulnerable and they interacted with everyone um, in this really genuine way. I think you know part of what Sandy was speaking to is the component of play. A lot of the people we engaged with were, were students, either younger or their own age. And so that was a really easy way with, with language difference 
playing, you know, hand games, playing volleyball, playing basketball. Um, one school in India, they taught them a few games that were Indian games that they had never played before. So that just um, meeting each other in the spirit of, of fun and in no judgment and just sort of freshly, I think was really powerful. Yeah, I think I, from the first episode, one of the things that I found really interesting was that you guys have this sort of connection to the Sri Ram Ashram on the other side of the world that you kind of grow up parallel to these students and you you know they exist, but now you get the chance to actually go and meet them. Were any of your expectations met? Um, I can say I've gone to Mount Madonna for 15 years and my mom runs the trip. Um, so she's obviously been to the ashram a lot and I've heard about it a lot. And I was kind of scared that it, I wasn't going to connect with it in the same way that I've heard all these people have connected with it. But I think every expectation was met. Like, we got off the bus, and immediately all the kids ran over to us, and we started, like, playing knockout with them and reading them books and just having this connection. Oh, I love that. And I know another thing that you guys did was the wedding, and I'm sure that was incredible and maybe a little overwhelming. How did you find that? How did you find sort of integrating yourself into that event? Um, I think it was super to see how like they just immediately welcome us into the process and they're like okay here's what you're gonna wear like there was some older girls that were uh, they're called alumni I guess at the ashram so they came back they grew up in the ashram they came back for the wedding because this is like their sister that they grew up with um, and they were like helping Sesame and I get dressed and stuff they're like oh Aww. these earrings would go good with your, your the outfit and stuff and then um, some of the older girls also they taught us this choreography so we had to perform at the wedding. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, it definitely got a lot of us out of our comfort zones and it was a lot of fun because we didn't feel like there was this judgment. It was just kind of like, I'm curious about you, you're curious about me and like let's welcome you into this new space and like into our into our themes, our practices, like everything that we do every day. Um, so I think getting into that wedding was a great way to really immerse ourselves in Indian culture because it's just such a like a, a rich tradition that they have and it, it contrasts a lot with like you know your average American wedding that you see here. Yeah. So, yeah. It was it was a really beautiful experience. I love that for you guys. Another thing you were able to experience that you were uh, that we were completely raptured by in in the blog was your interview with Rinchen Kondo, the sister-in-law of His Holiness the Dalai Lama and the founding director and special advisor of the Tibetan Nuns Project. Can some of you maybe share with our audience the mission of the Dalmaling Nunnery and maybe some of the things that you took away from that interview? Sure. So the Dalmaling Nunnery is a Tibetan nuns organization, and a lot of what it does centers around women's rights and the rights of Tibetan people. So in 1959, the Chinese people invaded Tibet, and a lot of the Tibetan Buddhists were forced into India. They made Dharamshala the capital of their government, um, as they call it, the government in exile. So it is within India and governed by the laws of India, but they also have their own laws as the Tibetan government in exile. And part of this is establishing their Tibetan Buddhism all throughout the city of Dharamshala. And so the Tibetan Women's Project is an organization very closely affiliated with the Dolma Lake Nunnery. And it's focused on how, for a long time, monks have had a lot of religious resources, access to time in temples and praying, and they're really trying to close the gap for women so that the nuns now have equal access to many of these religious lives. Uh, to add on to that, one thing she believes people are lacking nowadays is just perseverance and patience. 
which she goes into are essential to like having the perfect life. You need these three things to navigate both the highs and lows of life. So her words about inner peace really just stuck with me because it is an essential thing that we need to get back to as a culture. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think all of you were really succinct in, in your understanding, or at least how it translated when I was reading the blog. I think you took a lot away from that conversation, and I really valued how much stock you put in it. I thought it was really interesting, and I thought I loved reading your recaps. I'm just going to just add a little bit. This project's really close to our heart, and, and part of the fundraising is going to the Tibetan Nuns Project. And it was not until very recently that the nuns could essentially sit for what is the equivalent to a PhD in Buddhist studies. There's different, you know, different levels that you achieve. And so Rinchen Kondo, that was a, a big goal of hers, was to make sure that, because it's about seven, seven or eight years of training, so you need to have security, right? You need to have a place for them to live where they're safe. You need to have the resources for them to be educated. And when the Dalai Lama was approached about it, he said, well, of course, yes, they can do this. So this hurdle that had felt so big was achievable. And also in the interview, she didn't speak much, was the nun that runs um, the Dormaling Nunnery. And she was one of the first to achieve this Geshe level to take this test. So it was Wonderful to see the interaction with Rinch and Kondo and how proud Rinch and Kondo was of this, the achievements of this woman sitting next to her and knowing that there were going to be many more that were able to achieve that level of study and understanding, right? Rinch and Kondo said for her it was important to not just blindly follow a faith, right? That you need to truly understand when you're saying the prayers, why you're saying them, what they're for. And in Buddhism, there's thousands of years of scripture and study and philosophy. So that achievement of being able to understand that, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal, right? And like, you know, I, I, we love doing these podcasts because we have a chance to really learn. And there's a few of the things that I've heard the students really talk about. First one was curiosity. We would encourage U.S. students to maintain that level of curiosity in everything that you do. Uh, and you know, I know you guys know this at, at a deeper level, but there are many mindful practices out there as far as how you approach life, but curiosity or maintaining a, be a kind of a beginner's mind in every interaction that you have really opens up those spaces to see the world at a much different lens. And, and that's why we, we became so excited as we were going through uh, the journals that you guys were delivering back to us as a community, because we became as proud as hopefully you guys were as, as far as receiving that information and then translating that to who you are as an individual and how, more importantly, who you are down your life path as far as with the, with the tough subject we're talking about today. They're difficult subjects, uh, and progress sometimes starts out at a very small pace and it's slow to, to be achieved, but through diligence and some patience, right, and beginner's mindset, these hurdles can be overcome. So, you know, this, this whole aspect of, of the nunnery itself was just something that was very enriching for Kylie and I. We had a chance to experience that through your arms, for sure. You know, Sandy, I'm, I'm going to direct this question because it was one of your posts that uh, truly resonated uh, with both of us. But you spoke very eloquently about the time you spent in Old Delhi and how struck you were with respect to the critical mass of people, the vehicles, the fragile infrastructure that's really a part of that ecosystem in, in, in Old Delhi. And I think what touched us most deeply was your description regarding the Salam Balek Trust. 
which is an NGO specifically organized to support children all over India. So we're hoping that we can share with our listeners the goal of that NGO, how you believe they are impacting the lives of the many children living on the streets that they serve, and most importantly, how their work may be influencing your perspective on the need to serve our underserved and unrepresented children here in the U.S. Sure. So on our last day in Old Delhi, we went on a walking tour through Old Delhi, and the two people who were guiding us around had gone through the system. They had started as children who were addicted to drugs. That's the focus of the Salambalak Trust. And one of them now is a movie star. He was telling us all about he's starred in six movies and another one's coming out soon. And so for me, it kind of showed, you know, here's proof that this works. You know, the things that this organization are doing is helping the lives of so many people. And part of that walking tour, we went to a school as well, and that was another one of the places where I really felt like there was a lot of connection. We were playing with the kids, and at the ashram, we had a couple days to get to know people and establish more personal relationships. But we were at this school for 15 minutes, and you know, we don't speak each other's language, but you know, we had a bunch of little hand games we played. Yeah. And really, a lot of us were able to come to to a level of, you know, I see you as a person and really showing much more of the human inside everyone. Human condition is really the essence of who we all are, right? And more importantly, who we want to be. But I'd love to hear from some of the other students, you know, what did Old Delhi mean to you as far as the experience? Uh, what were some of the, the gains that you saw from that? More importantly, uh, what were some of the trouble spots that, you know, they will continue to work on, obviously, uh, for a better life? This was from New Delhi, actually, so previous in the trip, but something that really made an impact on me was we visited a Sikh temple, a Gurdwara, and attached to it, they have a community kitchen, essentially. It's like a soup kitchen, but much bigger because it serves thousands of people, like many thousands of people daily. And you can come in for breakfast or lunch or dinner, and they will serve you free of charge. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to um, be part of any organization. You can just go in they serve you a plate. And like getting to experience that and seeing that, I kind of would have thought it would have been impossible to create something like that that's so large of an organization feeding so many people. And it gave me a lot of hope, similar to how like the Salam Balak Trust gives hope. And I think about that as I come back to the United States. And I think about what can we do more here because it doesn't feel like we have that. Like I haven't seen a soup kitchen or a food bank or something that's as prolific as that community kitchen attached to the Gurdwara. Just the sheer order of magnitude seeing at that level is far beyond maybe what you even experience here in the U.S. Well, the also understanding of need is incredible. You know, they built the infrastructure because they knew that their citizens needed it, and our homeless population doesn't get the same treatment. So I'm I'm glad that you were able to see that. I mean, just that sheer force of generosity. Yeah. A lot of generosity. Uh Uh-huh. We also experienced in Old Delhi, which was really interesting. When we first started the tour, the guides talked a little bit about, you know, some of the issues, especially why so many children are on the streets and homeless and how to support that and and some of the issues with what you give them and if you give them money, what they're going to spend it on, like Sandy spoke to, you know, a lot of them from around nine on start to um, use drugs that are available to them, so giving them money is not a positive thing, but that there's always sources of food. He wanted us to know that, right? So the Gudwara is one source. Um, They have a big, everyone has a big pole, and all Gudwaras do this, so that anywhere 
people can see and know where to go for food. We also experienced, you know, in the streets of Old Delhi, there's a lot of food stalls. And there were certain ones where people know they can go and they can give 20, 30 rupees. And there's a whole bunch of homeless people just lined up. And so for every person giving the money, that establishment gives a meal. Those kinds of things that are sort of these informal structures that are in place that are just citizens doing this work was really powerful to see. There's a lot of need. It was hard. I think it was hard for all of us to be in Old Delhi. I'm sure. We sort of had like this beautiful experience in, in the Himalayan foothills and it was easy and we could breathe and then we were in Old Delhi and there was a lot of difficulty. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of hardship. In the world. Yeah. Um, but it was also nice to see that juxtaposed with, with giving, you know, what we can do. Yeah, it's good to see people actually caring about one another, especially when they're in such a hard place, you know. I'm sure the people who are buying those extra meals don't have it, you know, super easy either. But seeing the contrast between Old Delhi and just the streets of where we live here, just you see all these people coming up to you asking for money, you see all these stalls, people trying to make a living on the side of the road. And it's just amazing that that's going on there while we're just here in this room, taking all this for granted, and that's still going on there constantly. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also sensing that, uh, I mean, many aspects of the trip was validation, right, of what can be. You know, it's, it's interesting for me because uh, sometimes we don't realize that it's just the small interactions with, with someone that can make the biggest difference in life. And you don't know really how that may appear today uh, or tomorrow, uh, but sometimes it's just a, a connection with a smile with a smile to someone that you don't know. And you have that moment of happiness and that moment of connection that typically can spur other things down the road. And that's, that's the beauty, I think, of several things that we're already hearing about this afternoon on, on what, what all of the students really experience. I'm, we're so glad that you had an opportunity actually to be immersed in that, in, in that program because it's truly a gift, uh, not only to be there, but then to come back and contribute in a way uh, from those lessons that you've learned. But Kylie and I would just like to open it up the last question to allow really this whole team to kind of share what most resonated with you and maybe invite a couple of you, of, of you to kind of give us a quick highlight of some lessons learned on the journey itself. But more importantly, how does this experience provide a different lens on how you see the world? So this was my first time to India. I was um, invited by Shannon and, you know, I came in just ready to absorb everything. I'm a science, a science teacher here. And I think for me, the biggest thing I took away from this trip was how much everything is the same and how much everything is different, right? So on certain levels, I think Sam and I really talked about this. We sat next to each other in the bus quite a bit and we would say, wow, like our human behavior is the same, right? But how we have to go about our daily lives is so different for so many of us and what that looks like. Um, you know, when I was in the classroom with a teacher teaching kids um, that were on the street, but she was doing the same thing that we do, right? That's universal, but she's doing it in a room with kids that are four to 16, trying to teach all of them how to read or at different levels, right? Whereas I have, I get the same grade and the same kids with all these resources. Or, you know, uh, when we all eat, how that brings joy and we all communicate across the table, but we're eating foods of I have no idea how to even pronounce, right? So I think just taking all of that in and appreciating everything I have, having gratitude for everything we have here, at the same time looking at we're not different across cultures, across the world, and watching our, our own students interact with them, I just brought me so much joy and gave me perspective that I'm a lifelong learner and how important that is. And like you said, bringing back the curiosity. 
you know, just learning all the different ways that we go about different things. So that was that was the big takeaway for me. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Well, let's hear from some of the students. So we were talking about this massive force of generosity that's kind of being used to feed a lot of the homeless population. And what that really stemmed from is religion and like really strong, powerful belief in religion. And, you know, the homeless population of India really has nowhere else to turn except for these religious institutions. It's kind of the only thing that's giving them hope. So for me, my kind of perspective on religion and its role in society was really fundamentally changed by this trip. I'll, I'll add to what um, Silva was saying, because we did we talked a lot about like the same but different thing. Um, for me, I thought that the culture shock would be a lot more than it was. I thought I was going to be like really over, or not even overwhelmed, but I thought I was going to be very surprised by how different everything was. But I really wasn't, because I just saw people that were like the same as people here. And the only difference is that they were kind of shaped by a different culture, um, by different, like uh, Silva was saying, like a teacher who teaches here is not really different than a teacher who teaches in India, except for the classroom, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of the whole trip for me in a nutshell, mm -hmm. is that like the student there, the person there isn't really different than the student, the person here. They're just in a different classroom, you know? Yeah, as, as uh, different as we may think we are, we're actually, there's more similarities, right, in the human condition than people sometimes re realize. Yeah. Um, and uh, these are the activities that sometimes will bring that, uh, bring that lens to highlight, right? And we'll be able to see that. Kylie, is there any, any other questions that you have or I mean, maybe some observations that you heard from the team that you'd like to ask them? I really love how many of you took away this idea that it, it's not us and them, it's it's the human experience and they just have a different zip code. And yes, you had to, I mean, you got to go to Odell and see those hardships, And but it also gave you a perspective of, of understanding how privileged we are on this side of the world. And, and I'm glad that all of you were able to see that and walk away with that. I'm wondering if maybe any of you, if it, gave you any sort of motivation or want to do anything different from here, you know, from, with your life or just moving forward? Um, yeah, you know, kind of what Silva was talking about, just the connection that you can make with people. Like, before going here, I'm kind of shy, so... So am I, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was a little bit worried about, you know, going to the ashram and, like, being with all these kids and having to meet so many people in a very short amount of time but it actually wasn't that hard like everyone was super welcoming there and like one of my favorite things about the whole trip was I think it was on like the second or third day of the ashram we all went to, down to the Ganga and we just kind of like went in the water I mean I was a little bit nervous about like going in because it was freezing <laughs> but um then one of the girls her name is Fina she just like pulled me in and then we were suddenly like ducking each other out in the water and like splashing each other and that was just like I really that was when I really started to feel a deep connection with them and I actually started to feel like we were friends so. oh to go off to what Maya said like welcoming everybody is just a general sense of love and like all the kids like rushed up to us and like gave us a hug and even in like the span of two days like they're your new best friend and they have so much love to give and it kind of just taught me that I want to go about my life giving more love and being more welcoming to new experiences and new people I think for me like I'm, I'm already like pretty interested in activism and stuff is like uh, so, somehow I'm putting that in my career path um, and I think going to India like since it pushed me out of my comfort zone and like exposed me to all these different perspectives and these different ways of living different like you know 
wealthier people and then like super, super poor people, like a level of poverty that you don't really often see in the United States, but yet like still going and interacting and pushing myself out of my comfort zone to like observe these things and not just pretend that they don't exist and think like, yes, we're all the same, but we also have different struggles, you know what I mean, like different levels of privilege and of disadvantages. And so I think like coming back, it's sort of like, okay, don't distance yourself from the problem, like really try to get in there and do something about it and educate yourself more and, I don't know, push the limits of like what you think you're comfortable with and what you think you're able to do and sort of like go further, go further, you know, like you always have more to contribute or more to learn. So I think like bringing that back home and seeing like in my own community, how can I make a difference and how am I sort of sheltering myself from the real problems that there is. Well, I have to say, you know, this uh, we were so much looking forward to coming up here to, to hear your experiences. And uh, I think for, for both Kylie and myself, you know, we're sitting here in front of two wonderful teachers, a tremendous group of students uh, that, and I wrote down the word because I heard it several times, hope. Uh, you know, hope brings change. Uh, and the world constantly needs a little bit of change to be able to continue to advance in who we are as people and who we are as a nation. And, who we are as a global society. So it warms my heart to hear that. It really does because it just enriches us uh, to a point where we know that we've got uh, a, a tremendous wealth of uh, students in this case and teachers that are going to continue to push those barriers uh, to make our society much better than, than it is. It stands today. Now, you know, for those listeners who may not have heard our first two podcasts, allow me to reinforce that the underlying tenets or what I would consider principal aims of the Mount Madonna School are created with purpose, direction, compassion, and discovery. And I think you've heard a lot about that uh, this afternoon. It is quite clear to us that the Mount Madonna School has created what I would call an educational community of practice that becomes embedded in the fabric of every student, teacher, family, and community member. Without question, uh, you are enriching the quality of life through education as a lifelong pursuit. It has been an absolute pleasure of having you on as our guest this afternoon. Please know it's our privilege to be here. It was wonderful to hear the results from your learning journey to India, and we look forward, actually look forward to covering your next year's grand adventure. Also, Kylie and I would like to thank you for hosting this edition. We're on location here uh, at your beautiful campus. And the atmosphere and the sheer beauty of the surrounding views on its own inspire curiosity, creativity, and a sense of interconnectedness, of peace, and tranquility for the students and your faculty. So thank you for allowing us to come up here this afternoon. I'd also like to thank our listeners for joining the Morgan Hill Chamber of Commerce's Quick Fly Podcast. Stay tuned for the next in our series, spotlighting businesses and nonprofits proudly serving Morgan Hill and our neighboring communities. On behalf of myself, Kylie, our co-host, and our entire Chamber of Commerce team, we hope you have a wonderful day and see you around the greatest city in the Bay Area, Morgan Hill. Learning journeys are a staple at Mount Madonna School. Different trips are embarked on by different grade levels, but the intent is always the same, to expand the perspective of the students through the eye-opening experience of traveling somewhere new and talking with people different than yourself. You can get more information about Mount Madonna learning journeys and see the student blog detailing their trip to India through photos and student journals on the Mount Madonna website. There you can also learn more information about student admission processes, scholarship information, and school events. Mount Madonna will be hosting their annual Summit for the Planet from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on April 29th at the Mount Madonna School campus. You'll be able to hike the beautiful grounds of the school surrounded by redwoods and overlooking the Monterey Bay at this fun-filled eco-carnival. It's free to attend, and for those thinking about sending their child to Mount Madonna School, this event is a perfect way to see the school and meet some staff and community members while enjoying the sun and the trees. 
Be sure to keep an eye on Mount Madonna School's social media pages to stay up to date on events and school information, as well as to follow along on future learning journeys. All relevant links will be in the show notes of this episode. Thanks for listening to Quick Five with the Morgan Hill Chamber of Commerce. Thank <laughs> you.